It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everyone, and welcome along to the Bottom Line podcast on the Blood Red channel, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo, the best place to be to get the latest on all things financial at Liverpool FC. Joining me, Patrick Smith, is, of course, our in-house football finance expert, Dave Powell. How's things, Dave? Very well, thanks, Pat. Yeah, um, expert might be a stretch. <laughs> no, good stuff. I mean, there's plenty to talk about since the last time we did one of these. We were talking off, I think it's back in December, when the FSG sale news was announced and was all kicking off is the last time we actually did one of these podcasts. So we'll bring you the latest on FSG later on in the show, listeners. But Dave, I mean, we've got to start with Manchester City's financial breaches, haven't we? It could be a huge moment in the history of football finance. So what do you make of it all? Um, it was, I mean, we, we've known this investigation has been going on for some time. I mean, the, the way for investigation ended with... Um, Charges being brought against City in a two-year ban from the Champions League, which was overturned in the, in the June of June or July of 2020 um, by the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Um, the argument on that front was um, <clears throat> that were kind of it was time barred. So some of the offences which were alleged to have taken place um, happened before, long before. So the the, the window of opportunity to um, to punish against those who had gone, but this is is altogether different. This is a this is four years worth of investigatory investigatory work here. They would have used forensic um, accountants and all sorts to go through this submissions from the clubs, etc. And it is seismic, really. And you don't think uh, any of us imagined that. This, I mean, we've known the investigation been bubbling along in the background for so long, but I think there was a an I a kind of a a feeling that it might be a bit toothless, um, a slap on the wrist and, and, and away you go. But the actual severity of the charges and the sheer volume of them as well, I mean, there's 105 separate charges, I think, um, which have been brought against City by the Premier League relating through everything from um, uh, the remuneration of managers and players to uh, sponsorship deals to uh, the kind of potential obfuscation when it came to the um, the investigation itself. So there's a lot to to digest. It's important to say that this is this is going to go on for a long time. When I say a long time, years is probably before we actually this reaches its terminus and we find um, find out exactly what the punishment will be. Um, but it it is seismic in, in terms of the fact the Premier League have never gone this this far, um, and it will be determined what happens by an independent commission. Uh, and the, these offences for the Premier League and their rule book aren't time barred, so they'll be able to, um, you know, it, it will it holds water. So, but I just think there is so much to digest. I mean, we've only this only just landed yesterday, um, and obviously the the uh, kind of inclination is to to jump on this and think what will happen in the immediate future. Nothing's going to happen for a long, long time. I don't think this is going to be something which is. Um, Involves the very best lawyers money can buy, uh, and is played out over 
probably years in, in a courtroom before we get to anywhere. So, um, but nevertheless, um, pretty, uh, pretty damning stuff. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there that it could take years. Now, a lot of listeners and you know myself included are quite confused about what happens next. So, what is the process? I mean, it's been referred to the independent commission. So, you know, how long will that take, and what is the actual process of what happens next? Still slightly unclear. I mean, the the commission will be independently appointed, so um, they will uh, sit and they will consider all the charges brought against them and submissions from Manchester City, and then eventually this will be determined. But they, uh, along the way, there's so there'll be so much kind of legal jargon and attempts to obfuscate and attempts to um, to shoot down various aspects of it, um, which will just drag the whole thing out for far longer than. Um, that probably need to be, but ultimately, I mean, there is there is so many charges on there, but Manchester City have a um, have a have a right to to a defence on all this. So, and and there's so much at stake as well. This it's kind of unprecedented because it it is a move which um, the Premier League make, which has potential to really impact the the brand itself. Um, I mean, it, it came out. A day before we were supposed to have the government white paper on um, on kind of football reform that's been postponed, um, but it, it kind of lends itself to the Premier League. The Premier League have been against that kind of having an independent regulator in football, um, so maybe them showing that they feel they have some teeth in this investigation was worth pursuing um, plays plays into that a bit. I don't know, but. It will be a commission will be independently appointed of panel of experts, and then um, all the information will be gone through again as they determine whether or not these charges um, are upheld, or whether there are elements of them which are thrown out, which kind of lesser the severity of the potential punishments. And the punishments for this are kind of as as drastic as as could be um, if it went all the way. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a legal expert, I'm not a, or anything like that, so I don't want to say too much that beyond my kind of um, field of, of expertise or my wheelhouse, but um, there will be elements of it which I'm sure Manchester City are confident of um, of getting overturned, but the, the amount of um, this practice before the sheer volume of charges related and the fact that this is a four-year investigation uh, and not kind of a, a brief flash in the pan where they've just tried to appease um, people questioning um, the validity of, of, of Manchester City's revenues over the recent years um, means that it will be something which will carry a lot of weight. Um, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see what happens, but again, I stress, it's not going to be anything which happens in the short term. I don't think they'll be um, rewriting the uh, the history books in the, before the end of the season um, or anything like that. So I just think it's one of those things which will take an awful long time. It's kind of unprecedented as well. Um, so it's it, it's something which we're just going to have to wait and see how it pans out. I mean, yeah, that's the next part is going to make you sort of touch on it with the punishments because it is entirely unprecedented, as you said. We've never been in a situation like this before. Now, we spoke about this on the Blood Bread podcast yesterday, and obviously we are all speculating about what might happen. I mean, you know, what do you think the severest punishment could be and what do you think the most likely punishment would be? I know, again, we are speculating and these are accusations at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, and, and that's just them. I mean, I... I I can't really say what what I think what I think it would be because I don't I probably don't know enough um, about the specifics around the, the charge. What we know is that the financial um, 
issue around sponsorships relates to um, claims that uh, the Abu Dhabi-based City Football Group were paying um, sponsorship under the guise of, in terms of deals for kind of Eti, uh, Etihad Airways and Eti Salat, the telecommunications company, and they were enhancing those deals um, in terms of the money was coming from um, from CFG. But and then the the manager the manager remuneration issue surrounds um, Roberto Mancini's time, I believe, at the club where by he was being paid kind of another salary, even more than his, his base salary at Manchester City was um for by a consultancy firm he owned, um, which then went through a another firm which was owned by uh, Sheikh Mansour. And basically, he was being paid, or alleged to have been paid, something like one point six or seven million pound a year, and um, for doing kind of four days coaching at uh, Al Jazeera FC in Canada, in, in Abu Dhabi. So, um, there is, you know, these are all allegations. The severity in the Premier League rulebook is quite clear that that they are able to dish out whatever punishment they see fit. That includes relegation. That includes the stripping of titles. That includes all all that. Um, but also it can be financial punishment, but ultimately I think the issue for them is given the fact that money is always deemed to be no object and not a, a suitable deterrent for this type of thing, would a simple fine um, be enough to go the distance? When they went, the UEFA punishment, or the, the charges were brought against UEFA, which went to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, overturned, I think the eventual fine was something like nine million they paid Um for that, and they were allowed back into European competition because it was overturned based on the lack of um, lack of evidence. I think so. Um, so this is all uh, all new. I I do think that the Premier League, while they will want to show teeth and that they have bite and to ward off people from engaging in this type of practice uh, moving forward, and um, I do think that they will go beyond just simple financial punishments. However, they will be mindful of the fact that Manchester City are a key part of their global brand. They're not the biggest part. Um, that remains Manchester United and Liverpool are the two teams which have the most global pull. The Premier League is a brand, um, but they are an important part um, of the Premier League's brand and, and doing anything which removes them from that picture um, would damage the brand. So I don't see that playing out um, but I could be wrong. But um, I do think that they'll throw and find strike some kind of balance, whether it's competitive sanctions ultimately are the only thing which will truly hurt um, Manchester City. And and again, we stress that these are just allegations. I mean, this is an investigation of four years, yes, but they are charged with brought by the Premier League, but they're yet to be upheld by, by a commission independently. So um, for the time being, I think it's, it's wise that kind of we... We keep powder dry, etc., and um, and see how this plays out, and allow it to play out in the in the fashion that it should. Um, but there will be punishments coming Manchester City's way in some way, shape, or form. That depends on the, se- the severity. Depends on um, just how many are upheld by a commission. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I think the takeaway from that as well is that obviously Man City overturned the away for investigation. I think the Premier League would have been very careful to get sufficient evidence on all these claims that the breaches City have. You know, they're going to be stopped up and ready to go on this because they know City have probably some of the best lawyers in the world, not just in football. I mean, I'd like to touch on the sponsorship, as you mentioned there. I mean, obviously this is all unproven. It's accusations. We have to be careful what we say. But to me, it, it just smells a bit dodgy. We recently had the the like football league list didn't we then which um, names the clubs of the highest revenue I think it was over 2021 20, 22 correct me if I'm wrong but uh, we saw Liverpool climb from 7th place to 4th in terms of revenue but a City have topped that list now they've topped over you know European and Spanish champions Real Madrid it just seems a bit dodgy to me Dave doesn't it Um, it, it's it's all I'm always loath to to kind of um, go in too deeply on, on, on stuff like that I mean City have been. They will know this investigation is taking taking place, and, and they, you know, they've been they've been well aware of it for a good long time. So, um, I imagine their house is has been put in order um, if it wasn't in order already um, since they're moving forward. However, they have been able to uh, lean on kind of the simpatico relationships that exist um, in kind of the the Gulf region. Um, they have, but all, all this is available to you know to other clubs to to tap into. But ultimately, I suppose it is a bit more of a maybe it's a closed shop in terms of um, just where you can. I mean, the most recent, well, recent ones for for City were um, official kind of hotel partner, uh, etc. Um, which you know, all these things bring in larger, large amounts of money. Um, but City were able to spend in the beginning. Um, to to kind of close the gap in a way that no one has been able to do since because it was pre-financial fair play regulations. Once they came in, City had already established success and they were able to lean on the... I mean, they have, they've had Champions League qualification and successive years. Off the top of my head, I don't think they've missed one in the past decade, have they? But um, they... I think so, no. No, so, so that is, you know, and all that, they are... They have been fantastic at leveraging... Um, their position in kind of the meta region um, into valuable deals, um, which kind of have set the they set the benchmark. And I suppose they they say they're able to do that because they are <clears throat> the Premier League's most successful team over the past decade or so. Um, the way you can, we can all make the arguments about whether or not they're, they're the biggest team, because you know the the, the fan base uh, globally would, would would suggest not. But in terms of success on the pitch, they're able to leverage that. Um, and they have done, and they've done it kind of accretively over time. But I do think that um, there are. It, I, I, I imagine that there are. There is more. There's been more than a little frustration at the likes of Liverpool um, in recent years. That despite their own success and their own kind of, they are like a behemoth of, of global sport. Liverpool that they've been unable to match kind of Manchester City. Um, 
blow for blow when it comes to revenues. But a lot, but some of that also um, relates to the fact that there were periods in time when Manchester City's, um, despite added to the wage bill, the wage bill was coming down um, while revenues went up. So I know, I know that forms part of the investigation, but um, I'd be loath to say it, it's anything dodgy. Um, I just think it's they are they have been masters in recent times of leveraging their relationship um, with the simpatico businesses that exist um, around where they are based, but also they are they've been smart about uh, how they um, conduct their their affairs in recent times. Um, this is all historical, I and mean, the charges relate to up to 2017-18 the financial uh, side of things um the ones from beyond that uh, are largely related to um lack of cooperation it's claimed and things like that around investigations so uh yeah i think we're just wise to, to see how this plays out before um we may be saying anything too much but ultimately uh, we're going to get to the point where we will know um definitively i imagine uh, in the next you know next year to um what, if anything, has has been the case, and how they have managed to um, to kind of reach those levels and, and and keep everyone else at arm's length, you know, it will all come out in the wash. Yeah, it certainly certainly will. And just to um, round off then on the city talk, of course, this is a Liverpool podcast. We look for Liverpool angle, and there's a huge Liverpool angle to all this. I mean, the major one is missing out on the titles that they could have won during that period. I mean, particularly. 2013-14 season. I mean, now Dave, what, just answer this, because obviously a lot of fans are upset, a lot of the players are upset and annoyed and there's words being thrown around that we don't want to use such as you know, cheating and robbed because we don't know yet. They are just accusations at the moment. We can't say that. I mean, there's so many clubs that, you know, could have potentially have missed out on European places. I mean, winning cup finals, title winning money, top four money. There's a huge amount that City could have potentially taken from these other clubs if the accusations are true. There is um, that, again, on top of the fact that this will take uh, many years, those kind of arguments would um, would be this kind of difficult to prove. Because there is a, I suppose you, there, you have to look for comparisons um, through other sports. So uh, Lance Armstrong, for instance, uh, when he was stripped of all his Tour de France titles, um, there was no winner declared in any of those years. And I imagine if that's to be the case, I, and I'm not convinced they will be stripped of Premier League titles. I don't know. I, but again, I don't know the full, um, you know, that it, it's impossible for me to, to say that really. But I, I just think that um, for the Premier League as a brand, it would not look good. But I don't think there would be, I don't think you can retrospectively award the winners because ultimately you didn't win. You know, it's, um, uh, you would be trying to fathom uh, to what degree certain players made an impact, uh, and it and the whole formula of how you know um, of, of how the players that they signed with uh, with with money that maybe that they declared, which wasn't truly honest, etc. So it's very difficult when you open that kind of worms, and that would be a legal case for not just kind of Liverpool or United. It would be forever the team that has a knock on effect, you know. So. And you would have teams who who were potentially got relegated and uh, you know claimed no points from Manchester City during that period, um, maybe claiming that well those games null and void. You know, so I think you open up a, a can of worms. I think there'll be a cut off point around that. 
which is why I think that if they do make a decision, it will be a kind of a hard, a full hard stop around. Um, there will be a, only a certain amount that you can really glean from from this. Um, there'll be lessons learned from it, but I'm not too sure whether there'll be much financial recourse for for football clubs. Um, but again, it's kind of unprecedented. The Premier League will know the potential um, hornet's nest that they've been poking with this, and they must be confident in their ability to um, to get these charges upheld because they will otherwise they it, it would have been a, a giant waste of time and, and, and damaging to the brand for no real reason yeah absolutely I mean the only other example I can think of is in rugby union when Saracens broke the salary cap for those years and you know their titles weren't stripped I don't think were they so you know no, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's one of those. It's, it's difficult to retrospectively go back and, and kind of alter the the course of, of time, um, and, and through and trying to find out exactly how. Because ultimately, I mean, Manchester City was still competing. They still had, you know, there was still an element of the the squad there was was put together through probably entirely unaware of what's happening as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's kind of you have to weigh up kind of this and I think to do that would potentially open up a, a kind of a a real a real problem for for not just the Premier League but for the leagues moving forward so I think you know but ultimately we're going to know it in time it, it, it's impossible to call The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo With threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. As you said, it's going to be a long, drawn-out process. It could take years to reach an outcome. But if we do get any news on it, everyone, be sure to keep across the Blood Red Channel and Liverpool Echo site so you don't miss any of Dave's pieces on it. But we'll leave Manchester City talk and financial breaches there. It's time to talk FSG. Dave, it's been relatively quiet on the sale front recently, hasn't it? But what's the latest on the situation? Uh, nothing has materially changed since the start of November, really. Um, and that is, uh, as of yesterday, we were I spoke to some people uh, in the US who uh, they were trust and they were well placed and with knowledge of the situation. Um, I don't think. I mean, there is these things don't aren't quick, and there is a very different. And I said this previously. There's a very different tone to what uh, FSG are trying to do, and what kind of maybe Manchester United are trying to do. I mean, Manchester United engaged the Rain Group, who of course um, looked after the Chelsea sale last year. They will already have uh, a dossier of potential buyers, bidders who are on the market for football teams who lost out on Chelsea but may see the value in an asset like, like Manchester United. They also have experience in an expedited sale because that that took you know that was completed in in super quick time. Those kind of deals don't usually happen um, at that speed, but it was done because Roman Abramovich's assets were frozen and the club was running out of money and time. Um, but now. There is. This has always been a case of, and I know I, have, you know, I get I've been shut down regularly on Twitter for suggesting the fact, but there is 
the the preference is a, a minority sale because I understand that there are maybe one or two partners uh, who maybe wouldn't be averse to the idea of of selling their their shareholding FSG. Some of them may have held it for a particularly long period of time, and their initial investment has grown. But all it takes is one, two, three, four investors to say, yeah, okay, I, I might be interested. Um, and what that does then, it frees up potentially 10 or 15% of a business. Uh, and that, when that business is valued uh, at over $4 billion, it is uh, a sizable chunk of, of capital you could realize by you know, recapitalizing the business by bringing in new shareholders. So that is um, something which is it's been the, the back of FSG's mind. They Yes, they have plans for an NBA franchise in the future. That's not happening anytime soon because there is still plenty of hurdles still to clear with the NBA. They've not even decided whether they're expanding the latest 32 teams. They haven't even decided the cities. Um, and the NFL is off limits to them because they are, are part owned by private equity firms and institutional investment, which is banned in the NFL. So there is no super quick um, need for them to realize a load of cash. Um, they do need probably uh, an injection of capital to, um, I mean, look, a lot of this is down, you know, we, we focus on the transfer element of it. Um, Liverpool can absorb amortized costs in their balance sheet for big transfers this summer. They can, you know, because they earn strong revenues. And even without the Champions League, I mean, they would need to invest ne uh, in time for next season so they can push to get back in the Champions League. They can't, you know, you can't stop investing um, in the team and just hope that it comes good again because ultimately a lot of the value in Liverpool, and FSG know this, is the fact that they are, have been successful. Um, they can't they, they can't just trade on the name of being Liverpool, and they know this. They're smart people. Um, so they will, they will have to reinvest in a way maybe that they haven't done previously because there isn't really the, the kind of saleable assets that exist uh, uh, at present that there have been. But um, they can probably use some kind of fresh capital to meet um, the initial cost payments of, of these transfers um, because, I mean, for cash flow purposes, because the kind of the transfers themselves, I mean, while they're accounted for in the books through amortized payments, of, of amortized charges over the life of a contract, um, they still have to be paid. You know, um, you don't really see that. That doesn't come off. You, know, you don't see that disappear from the um, the books anywhere. So there is that. But I don't think that there's been a lot of talk about the Middle East, um, Qatar in particular. Um, I'm sure there, are, um, there will be people who are interested from over there looking at Liverpool as an option. They're a massive football club. Um, but from what I'm told, what I've been told repeatedly by people who would know, um, they nobody has shown their hand, nobody has come to the table, nobody has said, here's X amount of money. With a football club, there's been no high-level discussion held as yet. Um, if anything, the FSG would kind of fight in a few fires in Boston uh, in December. So, NFC sale focus hasn't really been the top of their agenda. It's something which they're exploring. Um, Redbird have been kind of there's a notion kicking around that they are um, parts that they're, they're interested in, in increasing their stake in FSG. From what I'm told, uh, that's a no right now. They are. They've got Milan project on the go. They've got uh, Toulouse as well, and they've no. Uh, they've got other projects that they're working on, um, and they've got a one billion pound sports fund, which has just been created with a guy called Jeff Zucker, 
but I don't think that's going to have any any um, any impact on on any further FSG investment. Although I do believe that um, they may uh, do more with FSG in the future, but it's certainly not related to the LFC um, investment slash sales search. Yeah, I mean the point you made before, Dev, is all about you know with closer to eight or not closer. It's looking more likely there'll be a part to sale, not a full sale. Now, I mean, there's always been a part of the fan base that's anti-FSG. And, you know, to be a voice for our comment section, a lot of comments we receive, I mean, it seems so multiplied now with numerous people calling for FSG out. I mean, they clearly want a full sale of the club. Do you think there's any possibility if they do go through with a full sale or is that sort of out of the question now? If the if someone comes in with an offer that's, that's big enough for everyone to be happy, um, it's not just, I mean, John Henry is the principal owner, but there is not just John Henry's um, kind of interests he would have to consider. There are interests of the likes of Redbird, who uh, invested heavily into an asset, which included, which of which Liverpool was a major part, um, who look after the interests of numerous other investors, same for Arcto Sports Partners. They look after their in- investors' interests. So I imagine there'll be a few in kind of, minority partners uh, and significant minority partners that would think well this isn't we've not had the opportunity to grow this investment as much as we wanted yet um well you know john henry would 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 be the man with the say i do think he is um a pragmatist and he knows that he has to work with these people even if he sells liverpool you know they're not just investors in liverpool investors in fsg so he has to have a you know a happy ship um in order to grow further grow the empire I think if a major offer comes in and it satisfies that need, then yeah, why not? But it, it, it's the moment doesn't happen. Not to say it won't happen, but um, I think the idea is look. A lot of these things, there's always been an element of um, FSG, and it's a valid criticism that they haven't invested to the levels of their rivals, which they haven't. But there was always a fairly clear model of what they did. Um, the problem is now that model's being challenged by um, the fact that, that that everyone else has spent more and the ability for them to turn over players um, and, and gain value that way has been diminished and they've probably missed two or three transfer windows to allow them to rebuild, which means they face an expensive rebuild. But things are always amplified as well when things are bad on the pitch and obviously it's bad on the pitch at the moment um, and, and not insignificant amount amount of that a reason for that is because um the the team probably has missed an opportunity to to strengthen um and address some of those issues but um you know i don't think that will go away i think there's probably an element of the the fan base now that is just will we'll be unhappy with that um model of ownership moving forward um and you know their their ire would be be understandable i i imagine so I think, though, it all depends on what happens in the summer. If they show an appetite to spend in the summer, maybe that shows that there was a, a plan all along, even if it was delivered too late uh, to, to, for this season. Um, but I, it be, would be hard to make a case for them to still be competitive owners um, if they weren't to make any significant investment this summer because that would, you know, it's quite obvious that this is a Liverpool team and in dire need of, of investment uh, in key areas that will be expensive and it needs the bill footing. So, uh, you know, the summer will be will be very, very telling. 
Yeah. I mean, it is frustrating for fans because, you know, granted, but things about the pitch, it's always worse and people are always going to be more critical. But they have had opportunities to invest and they haven't as of such. I mean, just around this often, Dave, you know, you've hinted that, I mean, it's no secret, Liverpool do need a huge rebuild. Some of those numerous players that we're expecting to leave and those numerous players needed. I mean, what do you think the budget could be for Liverpool in the summer? You look at Chelsea spending under Todd Burley. I mean, it's a bit crazy if we're being totally honest. I mean, ridiculous numbers they're spending in long-term deals spread over time. Do you think that's a possible avenue Liverpool could do? go down of, you know, say, Jude Bellingham, spreading the cost of him over time, or will they have the budget, do you think, to just sort of... No. Uh, I, I think UEFA are... Of, there's already been common plates made to UEFA around what Chelsea is doing. They, they, largely, it's kind of Americanized nature of the sports contracts, long, long contracts, um, which FSG would be well used to. They signed an 11-year deal with with their star player um, every last month. Um, I think UEFA are closing that particular uh, avenue for clubs to to spread, you know, kind of the, the transfer fee um, through amortized charges over a longer period of time. I think that particularly Paul's going to close. Um, they will. It's hard to say what they can spend. They'll have to spend if they want. Look, if they, if they want Jude Bellingham, the Enzo Fernandez has already kind of set the the bar for for young midfielders from European leagues. Now, Jude Bellingham's got more experience than Enzo Fernandez. I know Enzo Fernandez is a World Cup winner, but he still played limited games in the sixth biggest European league. So, and he's you know. He's older, so Bellingham it will be massively expensive. That's not to say they're not in, they won't that they can't go in for him, um, but there will have to be an element of it's. It's hard to imagine that this rebuild doesn't cost them any less than two hundred million this summer, because they'll need a you know they'll need Bellingham plus um, one or two other players, and the market now the players has increased further. Out of the Premier League clubs in particular. Um, and more, the kind of the, the, their feet are held to the fire when it comes to to transfer values. Liverpool were able to do it smartly with Luis, Luis Diaz because there was a window of opportunity there, whereby Porto needed the cash to meet debt obligations, which were occurring the following week at the end of January in 2022. Uh, it was 2022 the year I've lost track of the year. <laughs> um, and so they were able to make. They said, "Well, we will pay you." This, this this X amount of money you need to settle those immediate debts now, uh, and that meant that they were able to drag down the price of Diaz in January. Um, the ability to negotiate really good deals in the Portuguese market has been made really difficult by the Fernandez transfer, and also clubs know the value in their players now. Um, Chelsea have kind of come in and skewed the market somewhat. Um, it's a risky strategy from them because you are banking on that group of players they put together really kind of hitting it off and, and becoming kind of a really great team. They may still, but there are that is a process which takes time. Um, Liverpool will need to spend heavier than FSG brothers spent before um, this coming summer. Uh, and if they if they're willing to do that, who knows, maybe they, they get enough. They get another chance to, to kind of prove themselves uh, were the owners, but I imagine for some the ship has sailed on that front. But regardless, they need to spend if they need to protect the value of of their asset moving forward. Yeah, I mean it feels like a make or break summer for FSG, doesn't it? They need to spend. Everyone knows it, and hopefully, you know they've been hesitant 
in the previous transfer window, so they know they're going to spend big this summer and bring in the guns like Jude Bellingham, hopefully. <laughs> well, that just about wraps us up there for today, though. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and watching along. Be sure to subscribe to Blood Red on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss any of our daily podcasts and video content. And of course, be sure to check out the Liverpool Echo site and social media channels for the latest Liverpool news, including any updates on a potential FSG sale whenever we have them. But for now, thank you so much for joining me, Patrick Smith and Dave Powell on the Bottom Line podcast. Catch you again soon. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.